the Underdog Podcast from SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty. Football fans, welcome back to another episode of the Underdog Podcast where we talk G5 football and only G5 football for Underdog Dynasty. And this is another episode of what we call Joe Talk, and that is me, Joe Serpico. And on the other side of my mic, it's Joe Brobeck. What's up, man? How you doing? Good, good. We are um, glad to be starting our weekly previews of each team in the conference. We're going to do this from, unfortunately, we're going to do it from last to first. So, and I, I guess that's uh, UConn. I mean, they were last to, throughout the whole country in just about every statistic. But with that, we are going to bring on guests on every show. And with that being said, we are happy to be joined by Aman Kidwai of the UConn blog, also of the SB Nation. How's it going, my friend? Uh, doing really well. Thank you very much for having me. I uh, appreciate you for coming on. We definitely do. So, I mean, like I said, so we're bringing you on. We're going to go through the uh, the UConn football team this year. So I'm going to let Joe kick it off with the first question there because uh, there's plenty to be asked about this team. Yeah, so like like Joe said, it's we've talked about this before we started. It's, it's easy for us to kind of jump on a team that was so bad last year. So we'll try not to do it too much. But first question I have is, is a bowl game even possible in a, in, after a one in eleven year, or it, are we is like three wins going to be the max? Uh, um, you know, uh, anything's possible, and the bar for for a bowl game is is not super super high, right? You need to get the six wins. Um, that's easier said than done in a, in in what is a pretty competitive division in the AAC East, and then of course UConn is coming off of a really bad season. Um, so it's, I, you know, of course I would say it's very, very unlikely and, um, the expectation is not there, uh, for, for this season at least. And so, yeah, with respect to a bowl game, I'd say, um, that's, that's definitely in the, uh, stretch goal, uh, version of the season where the Huskies, v- very significantly overachieve on expectations. Now, I think uh, a big topic coming out of UConn this past season, or you want to say this past year, I would say, has been a lot of what has gone on with the uh, financial situation up there. Uh, there was a report about them being, um, you know, I think the number was $80 million under, and then not, you know, not too much longer the uh, AAC comes up with that new media deal. So I'm kind of curious how much of an impact does that make for a team like UConn, who is, uh, let's be honest, you know, the football team is kind of struggling. There's some talking about them potentially dropping football altogether or moving down a level, but you you don't want to completely get out of it because of the basketball contract. Mm Um. Yeah, so the the number was something in the forty million dollar range per year uh, that that UConn uh, was losing uh, or is losing. Um, I think there's a number of different factors that you can point towards for that. Um, of course, making lots of investments at kind of that power conference level from the Big East days and trying to maintain an athletic department um, at that level 
even though revenues have gone down, even though um, you know, kind of fan interest around games has gone down, has been a challenge. Um, they've been looking to fund it through a student fee, a student subsidy, which is really common in the AAC. Um, I know that Cincinnati and, and uh, a couple of others are doing that as, as well, um, and they're they're some of the most uh, they're you know some of the athletic departments that are funded by the most uh, money from student subsidies, which you know kind of makes sense. UConn and Cincinnati were in that same boat uh, before. Um, you know, I think with respect to the conference TV deal, that's um, you know there's there's a lot 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 at play there. So I think that's that's probably just a, little, a slightly separate version of the conversation around. Um, you know, kind of UConn's finances, but, um, you know, look, it's not my money. And, uh, the, uh, the athletic department is a marketing vehicle for a school, uh, success through athletics is something that is, is really quite, um, quite profound in the way that it can be a, a hard, big boon for the academic uh, side of the university and its finances as well. When you, you think about, um, the boosts that come from applications and stuff like that. So I think, you know, UConn is keenly aware of the fact that this, uh, that losing money at this rate is unsustainable. Uh, they see it as a temporary situation uh, having to do with a conference and revenue situation that was, was also not planned for uh, specifically that, um, you know, I think uh, as of a couple of years ago, they probably thought, they'd be getting out of somewhat soon. They thought, you know, maybe the Power Five would be expanding. Um, so I think now in the year 2019, what we know is that uh, the possibility of expansion, the possibility of significant increases year over year uh, in the TV contract dollars might not be there. So it, it might make sense for UConn to think about other options, but um I think I think it's worth staying the course for a little bit longer just to see um, how these things play out. But I, I do think you know some of those larger decisions about um, moving football, thinking about going independent with football, trying to find a way to the Big East. You know, those are things that definitely make sense as de- decisions to consider. You know, I don't think a lot of people would have uh, wanted to watch uh, UConn last year or even this year, I guess, on TV. But I, I agree that the deal could is going to benefit everybody in it. Um, it would have been fun, actually, to watch David Pindell a little bit more last year. Um, obviously, we know the defense was horrific to watch. But uh, Pindell and the offense were actually, at times, in my opinion at least, fun to watch. So now that he's gone, how much is his absence going to hurt the offense? Yeah, I mean, you know, David Pindell... Uh was was amazing uh honestly uh pretty he's gonna end up being pretty underrated because he just had that one year as a starter for a team that went one and eleven um but uh he was a very dynamic and exciting player who brought a lot to that offense and um you know just just really unfortunate that on the opposite side of him were a bunch of freshmen and sophomores uh starting on that defensive side but yeah, it's 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 a it's a big loss. I think um, in terms of the potential replacements, there are you know pr- 
from last year's roster, just a few guys who are freshmen or redshirt freshmen um, with no kind of significant playing experience. A um, couple of three-star recruits um, in Stephen Krajewski, uh, Marvin Washington, and um, uh, uh, shoot one other from the Boston area, J- Jordan McAfee. Uh, you know, all, all, all really, you know, solid quarterback recruits, but, but uh, definitely very young. The other uh, possibility is actually UConn added a graduate transfer, uh, uh, Mike Beaudry, uh, from a Division II school called Western Florida. Uh, that's a, kind of a new program. Um, so he's someone who has started, who has put up some numbers, um, and if, you know, there's a possibility that, that potentially he could slide right in there and uh, the um, maybe maybe help to fill in kind of what David Pindell did. did. In terms of the offense around him, uh, whoever this new starter might be, uh, the offensive line is expected to be actually pretty solid. And the playmakers around them are, are, are not bad as well, you know, in terms of the receivers and running backs. Um Last year's offense was was you know halfway decent, um, especially by by UConn's recent UConn standards. But it just even in general was a was a half decent offense. But um, you know the reason the reason UConn was one in eleven was because they had the worst defense ever, and it was and it was freshman and sophomore. So but anyway, um, you know I think Pindell Pindell is a fairly large loss. Um, there's a possibility that I think this, that this graduate transfer could be a, a solid replacement, or UConn looks at um, you know one of these younger guys to replace him. Now I don't think it's much a secret that Randy Edsel is really on the hot seat right now. Uh, I mean I think, and some people around the country probably are a little bit curious how he still has a job considering this season that it just came off of. And I mean, I mean, if you know anything about college football, there is a little bit of loyalty there. This is a second stint there. So maybe they're giving him a, um, a full recruiting time there. But I mean, if, if they start off another season, cause their schedule this year is, is not, not so pretty either, but if they start off another year, six and oh, it, or, or I'm excuse me, six and oh, oh and six, could uh, Randy Etzel be getting a similar treatment that he saw down in Maryland not too long ago where he's out the door in the middle of the year? Yeah, you know, I think it's it's pretty interesting. I mean, I think part of what um, part of what's relevant anytime we're, we're thinking about a coach is how they do against expectations. And uh, I would say just, you know, going into last season, expectations were were very very low um uh and i think randy edsel's strategy from the start was predicated on having a a pretty long leash actually um and so you know when he took over to give a little bit of context yukon fired bob diaco literal you know months after extending him so they owed him still a couple of million dollars to make that change uh, and then Randy Edsel's return to UConn came at a discount. Um, and, I, you know, I, I don't I don't 
say this with any inside knowledge, but I have to imagine, um, you know, part of this this deal was a mutual understanding with him and the athletic director, David Benedict, that that he had a really long leash and that he would have time to rebuild this. So for me, as someone who's, who's been following the team really closely, um, you know, one and 11 is, is really, really bad. It's really, really bad to have the worst defense ever, but it was it was intentional uh, in a, in a way of speaking um, there, as I, as I mentioned earlier, the starting defense was entirely, and I'm, you know, this is not an exaggeration. Go, go check out some of the depth charts that, that were released last year, entirely freshmen and sophomores um, and, and many true freshmen people months removed from their high school prom, uh, you know, and, and they're, and they're starting their season against, if you look at UConn's schedule from last year, they started the season with UCF and Boise State um, and, and actually a Syracuse team that, that was um, a lot better than Syracuse has been historically. So um, it was a scenario where uh, the, you know, ran, it seems like Randy Etzel is in, is in full-on rebuild. And even this year, I mean, uh, you know, 0-6 would be bad. I just think when, when you're UConn in – the situation you're in right now, it's, you know, you also have to think about who, who else are you going to bring in if you fired Randy Edsel two and a half seasons into a scenario that's an obvious, unique rebuild. Um, UConn in the American Athletic Conference uh, is not your turnkey football operation, and it's not even, you know, one of your uh, sleeping giants sitting in a talent hotbed that just needs the right guy. So, you know, UConn's an interesting nut to crack in terms of finding success um, at this level. Randy Etzel is someone who knows a lot about that, having done that in the past. Uh, obviously, it was in the Big East, but, um, you know, still in unique circum- uniquely challenging circumstances. And so all of that is to say, I, I, I think um, even this year, the way that the way that fan expectations have been kind of battered, um you know he he's got i think one more year of kind of like this this year we just want to see improvement let's 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 be kind of like a normal four four and eight kind of bad team versus a uh uh bottom of the barrel one and eleven kind of team and then um i think next year is the year where where he'll really have expectations but um, yeah, I think, you know, because of the Diaco firing, the financial situation, the challenges of recruiting and being competitive in the AAC, um, and then just the fact that, you know, Connecticut is not a natural talent hotbed, all of those kind of combine to make it a, a uniquely tough situation. And so um, Edsel has, I think, a little bit more room than uh, breathing room than someone else who might be uh, someone else might who's performing at. Um, you know, the level that you've seen from UConn over the past couple of years. So you kind of addressed my last question here with what, what was the biggest issue with the defense? And it sounds like it, it was just, it was a young, like you said, a young team or a young group on defense that was the biggest issue. So how does a group like that improve after just getting demolished every single game? Like, is there a certain area that they can improve on or like what, what is the biggest thing that they can do to get at least a little bit better? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, hopefully some of these guys, especially in the 
secondary. There are some people who are now third-year starters um, as as kind of true juniors um, or redshirt sophomores who were, um, you know, on the higher end of the spectrum for for UConn recruits. It's really hoping on the improvement of those guys. Um, they also were able to bring in some junior college and transfer players to bolster a little bit. Um, I think most notably of those would be Dylan Harris, who is a linebacker uh, coming from Lackawanna Community College, which is actually where David Pendell came from. Um, and before that, Harris was a three-star recruit coming out of um, actually Cheshire Academy in Connecticut. So, um, that, so they've got a couple of guys who might be able to come in and contribute immediately who they added. Um, but it's, it's mostly going to be, you know, from within, um, again, Randy Edsel has, has rightfully taken a lot of flack for the way things are going and, and, you know, as he should, I think. Um, but he definitely has proven in terms of his ability to identify defensive talent and, um, you know, I think the the upside is if the offense can stay okay the way it had been has been for the past couple of years, and the defense can get to a level that you know we we know Randy Edsel is capable of because of his background and because of what he's accomplished at UConn. Um, this could be a more more solid team down the road, but uh, it's definitely going to be a. a development from within situation it's not a heavy juco or or transfer strategy that he's he's implementing in terms of the roster makeup um so yeah he's he's really counting on <laughs> on the strength and conditioning and on the, the value of uh playing time in hardening these these youngsters all right i guess we'll we'll end it on this note here we've we've talked about a lot about last year so let's let's give one positive heading into the 2019 season i mean you talked about the the quarterbacks a little bit and the defense but i, I mean i know me personally i think the the running backs are probably going to be the most exciting part of this yukon team but give us what you think will be the the most um, the most exciting part of yukon's football this year I'm hoping to see um, just a really uh, explosive and uh, diverse attack in the passing game. Um, so, so I'm hoping that there are a couple of receivers and a couple of tight ends who can really make an impact and, and that UConn can have one of those passing attacks that um, – you know, utilizes a couple of different players with their strengths equally. There's kind of no no main target, but, um, you know, a lot of different guys who can do different things for, for different situations. Um, I believe there is quite a bit of talent uh, in that, that pass catchers group. Uh, so just, you know, some names I would highlight would be Keon Dixon, uh Someone who I think is just starting to scratch, uh, you know, starting to scratch his potential. Hopefully he can meet it uh, in, in his senior year. Donovan Williams, a converted uh, quarterback at wide receiver. Um, I think uh, I think 
that's a group that uh, can do a lot of interesting and exciting things and, and should be interesting to watch. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, we want to thank Mon Kid Y for joining us from the Yukon blog. Um, let us know where we can find you, not only on Twitter, but well, what other – I saw you do a lot of work in uh, D.C. area as well. I sure. live in Maryland, so I'm not too far away from you, so let us know oh. what else you got going on. Sure, yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, you can, first of all, uh, add the Yukon blog on SB Nation, uh, at the Yukon blog, I'm on Twitter. Twitter at Amon from CT. Um, yeah, I, I do some sports reporting for Washington City Paper, uh, which is a local weekly here in DC, and then I do some community and business reporting as well for a, a very like a neighborhood local paper. Um, so yeah, a couple a couple of other different things uh, that I do here and here uh, living in DC, uh, but able to still blog about UConn and and make my way to a lot of games as well. All right. Once again, I'm on Kidwe. Thanks a lot. We appreciate you for coming on. Thank you guys very much. Anytime. Thank you. Yep. Hopefully we have you on again soon. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Take care. You too. Bye. Yeah, I, I kind of alluded to it a little bit earlier, but the, the running backs are the thing in my mind that will be the most intriguing thing to watch on offense. And then obviously they have to figure out their whole quarterback situation too. And Amon talked about that a little bit, but another thing he mentioned, and I think it was kind of important is the fact that it was a very, very young defense last year. I mean, 16 of the top 19 tackles were freshmen or sophomores. I think, you know, as much crap that we gave them for being bad last year and Amon alluded to it, some of those guys were true, true freshmen coming in their first games playing against some pretty good offenses. And it just, I mean, when you kind of start off bad, you know, kind of just, it kind of just keeps going that way. So I think that's kind of what happened for them. So maybe all that experience from these young guys, we see now under the new defensive coordinator because they had to make some kind of change if they're going to keep Randy Essel around. Um, maybe we see, like he said, a four and eight team. I don't see that happening, but we're going to go a little bit deeper in the schedule in a minute. But um, at least let's let's see. I mean, I guess it's not much to ask for to see under 600 yards per game, but let's get out of the. Uh, the 500s at first let's start there because like he said brandy edsel's defense has been kind of what has made him stick around as a coach and if he's not going to get that changed a little bit this year in my mind i don't see how he sticks around for the entire season like i kind of asked I'm on earlier. I just don't see how. And I, I kind of think he's going to get the Rand, Randy Elsel treatment at Maryland where he's gone 
if they are 0 and 6, which is totally possible. Yeah, you're. I mean, yeah, you're. You're right. It's uh, well, and the other thing is when your projected wins is 2.4, which I feel like that's super generous. Yeah, when you look at you... when you look at the schedule, I mean, there's only one team that, and that's their opener against Wagner. Yeah, and I'm not gonna act like I know a whole lot about Wagner. But then after that, I mean, who are they going to be in the conference? Yeah, that's uh, – we'll go into that. But, yeah, I, I, I yeah, I understand your point. You're making my job a lot harder for a little bit later. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's not looking good. That's that's for sure. I mean, who – well, they played – because they played an FCS team last year. Who They played Rhode Island. Rhode Island. And, and they, they only won by they seven. They squeaked that out, Yes. And then if I remember right, like Rhode Island only averaged like 20-something points a game. It was lower 20s. <laughs> and they scored 49 against. all your offensive woes. Yeah. So, I mean, that that really tells you just how bad they were last year, though. So, like a team like that, and if I remember right, they went into UConn. And it wasn't like UConn was at Rhode Island. I just can't imagine that being the case. So, you know, they were at UConn. They barely get this win. If I remember right, it was a 56-49 game. I don't have it in front of me, but for some reason yeah. the number's sticking out in my head. Um, so, yeah, and if it wasn't for Pendel, we talked about – I mean, I feel like that's the only guy we've talked about in the past year and a half on this podcast. If it wasn't for him really showing out, and that was his true coming out party, let's be real, because if not – <laughs> we're looking at an 0-12 team with a loss to an FCS team that, like I just said, barely scored 20 points a game last year. Well, the other thing that's weird about this team is that two it was two no three years ago, 2016, they beat Houston the year that Houston beat Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. So we're it's not that they were a good team, but they were capable of beating good teams. Well, I remember when we did that podcast a couple of years ago that you're talking about we were talking about their defense being pretty solid and a lot's changed a lot has changed to say the least all right so we'll go quick through the schedule here and then we'll get into the, all the good stuff so as we mentioned before the first game is against wagner and then they follow that up with hosting illinois and then they're off in week three and then they have two road games at Indiana and UCF, and that begins the string of five games where their win the win probability is less than thirteen percent. Not good, not good at all. Uh, October fifth, they host USF, and then they go to Tulane, host Houston, and then they finish October with a trip to UMass which is unfortunate because Andy Isabella is not there. So if you wanted him on your fantasy team, tough luck. And then for the month of November, they start with Navy. Then they head to Cincinnati. Then they have another off week. They host ECU, and they finish the season at Temple. Yuck. I mean, you kind of touched on it for a second. There's that stretch there, with, you said. Uh, well, if you throw even in Illinois there before the bye week that they have in week three, that is six games in a row with a projected 
winning percentage of under 15%. Um, yeah, that basically tells you everything. I will say this, the one thing, I guess, on a bright side, I am I'm kind of glad for the sake of UConn and UMass that they're getting back to that rivalry there. I don't know how long they're going to keep that going for, but the UConn-UMass rivalry was a big thing back in the day. But, I mean, other than that, when you look at the schedule, it, in my eyes, could truly be another 1-11 year. I, I don't see a spot on this game, on this schedule excuse me, where you could truly look at it other than Wagner, but what did we just talk about with Rhode Island last year? We could have probably said the same thing or we probably did say the same thing when we did these previews last year. So I just... Uh, well, they don't have Pindell to bail them out, too. And, yeah, that's the thing. So, And we have no idea who that quarterback's going to be. Um, they're talking about potentially a kid from D2 coming out. Uh, what do you said? Western Florida, which is a, a relatively new football program. So that's not really that encouraging. Um. I don't know. Uh, I I truly see a one eleven. What is it? The projected win totals is two point four. Um, hold on. Don't don't be jumping the gun. You'll get your chance to say what you think. Hold on. Okay. Go ahead. I'm I'm pretty sure we already know what your prediction is. I'm I'm looking up the UConn over under win total of Vegas. So you go ahead. Well, I'm gonna ask you a question next. So you gotta hurry up and find that. Okay, go ahead then. So, we're going to talk a little bit. We talked about what's bad, so we almost can just skip the what's bad. It's like everything's bad except for, I don't know, everything's bad. What's not bad? The running backs. So, there's not much bad, but what's what's good about this team? What do we think is good? Kevin Minsall. It's It's not 2018? Well, 2018 wasn't good, so I don't understand what's your question there. No, it's so it's what's good about 2019 is that it's not 2018, so we can move on from that, and who knows? Or, I mean, if you want to be realistic, is there anywhere else you can go? If you're defensively, is there anywhere else you can go? Like, if they get any worse, I I I, I shut down the program. I mean, you I know have, I'm being, yeah, I'm being, I'm being drastic. I'm being, you know, I mean, I'm being super drastic. But like, that would be the most embarrassing thing that arguably happened in college football. You just came off the worst football season ever, and if you topped that, I mean, I don't know what you do. I don't know what you do as a program for real. That that is, I mean, you become more than a laughing stock. And I don't know how you get out of that hole recruiting wise. You know what I mean? If you're even if you're uh, the big time recruit that's coming out of Connecticut or Massachusetts, Maine, anything like that, and you know they've been two and twenty two or was it whatever the number would be uh, over the past two years, why do you want to go there? Good math. I'm proud of you. It's late for you. It is late over here. It's late, you old man. You're doing math like a wizard. All right. But yeah, so I don't know. I can't. For me, it's Mensaw because I don't know what else you can really. Mensaw, and you can't get any worse than you were last year. All right, so then I'll, I'll go into this. 
on a scale of one to one hundred, what's your excitement level for UConn football this year? Your excitement level? Yeah. Scale one to one hundred. One to one hundred. Jesus, that, that that's too big of a scale. I'm gonna because I'm not a UConn fan. I, I'm not gonna put him in single digits because as a fan of the conference, so you're I won't say do ten. Yeah, I'm gonna say ten. How'd you know? You know I'm me like, better. I'm I'm probably right. I'll say eleven just to be different, but yeah. But I, I mean, how can you say anything else? You know what I mean? It's one of one of those things that just just how bad they were last year, and they seem to be on this traje- trajectory down because, like you just said a couple minutes ago, last year they had Pindell to bail them out. They don't have that this year. Right. And even if the They're, defense gets a little bit better, it's still not a team that's going to – I don't know. Ugh. And then, uh, you know, everything I said about Mensah, you know, he's still not the quarterback. So it, until we see who is that guy and, you know, and we're not going to be one of those people that quickly judge what he does. If he comes and scores five touchdowns against Wagner, I'm not going to be like, all right. Uh, next quarterback at UConn is the next Pindell as well. It, it just won't be the case. We're going to have to see how – I mean, their next two games, if you look, they're big ten of bones, Illinois and Indiana. So we'll just find out real quick if whichever quarterback they end up starting both of those games with is – I don't think it'll be Pindell, but at least competent enough to – at least keep the defense off the field a little bit because for all the scoring that, I mean, maybe, maybe that's part of it. Maybe Pindell sometimes scored too much last year. That's what I was just going to say is I think Pindell sometimes scored too fast and the defense didn't have time to, well, like we said though, there you got, you have freshmen and sophomores who are not usually, they're not usually as in shape as someone who's been there for a long time, especially not a freshman. Like the endurance just isn't there. So you're, you're, you're giving up not a long drive, but you're on the field for a while and then your offense goes and scores right away and you've got to go do it again. It's, it's, it doesn't, doesn't add up well. And we made the same argument for Houston as well. And look, you know what I mean? Look where their numbers were. They were in the back half, too. Now, I'm not trying to say Houston's offense and UConn's offense were anything alike because there are huge differences between the two major, major defenses. But when you have teams, and you see that at both levels, when you see these teams, I mean, the Chiefs at the, and even the Rams a little bit last year, uh, you saw it at times, where their offenses were just so explosive, but that also led their defenses to be exposed a lot, too, just because they were on the field so much. So... Is that the case for UConn? I don't know. I think we're we're stretching a little bit there, but I, I don't think it's a uh, a bad argument to make. But yeah, as far as excitement level, no more than ten. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was gonna go with seven, but ten just to be nice. All right. So the last part. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna go through the schedule this week. I'm going to, well, okay, I'm not going to try to tell you that we're going to make a bowl game because I think we can agree that that's, it's not even one of those things that you can, like ECU, which I know you're on the bandwagon now, but what, like ECU, you could probably go whoa, through that whoa, schedule. Whoa, 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 whoa. First off, he's, 
I don't started the bandwagon. You joined. Don't you're on the bandwagon. I never, first off, I have yet to join the bandwagon. When oh, we get to okay. them, when we get to them, we'll see how I feel. <laughs> but okay, so for them, you could go through the schedule, and there's probably a couple fifty-fifty games that you could you could go either way. With UConn, it's like even Wagner. You're just like so. The, okay, first game, Wagner. They should win that game. Not guaranteed, but I'm just gonna t- I'm just gonna say they win. They're not beating Illinois. They're not beating Indiana. They're not beating UCF. USF. They're not beating unless everybody gets hurt or Blake Barnett gets hurt and the offense has no idea how to play. But they're they're not gonna beat them. They're not beating Tulane. They're not beating Houston. UMass is interesting because they don't. I don't think they have their quarterback, running back, or Isabella anymore. So that's that's a, di- a different offense. And they were four and eight last year with that that trio. So yeah, but UMass plays a solid schedule. It's also at UMass, so I don't. Who knows. Navy is – I don't really know what to expect from Navy. All I know is that I'm pretty sure UConn will not have any idea how to stop the triple option. So That's the uh, – not to cut you off, but according to the numbers that you sent me, that is the second most likely win they're going to get on the at home against Navy. And I, that blows my mind for what reason you just said there, like defending the option. I don't, uh, I don't care – how bad Navy was this past season, and I talked to I knew they were going to be kind of bad that year based off all that travel, but it's still the triple option when you're coming off one week you're playing against UMass, or let's put it this way, in a three-week span you're playing at Houston, who runs that crazy spread, chasing around uh, King, then the next week you got UMass and you just said it, we don't even know what they're going to be doing with their offense because they've got all kinds of change. And then in another week, you're playing that triple option. That's a tough trio to game plan for. I don't care who you are. Even if you're Alabama, that's tough goal, or excuse me, difficult to game plan for three. Are you comparing Yukon to Alabama? No, but I am trying to say people like that. You're just trying to make it a point. And they're like, are you comparing Never. You? It's like, no, I didn't say they were the same thing. But so maybe. Then, so, okay, so then to continue, there's no way they're beating Cincinnati on the road. ECU is always a coin flip just because ECU, like last year, it felt like ECU just didn't know have any idea how to play football for a while. Mm-hmm. It, it was just, oh, just it, that was frustrating. And then add to, so like, honestly... I'd really have to try. I would. I mean, well, uh, I would really have to try to, to say they'd win three games. Uh, I don't see three. I see. I see again. I see another one and eleven, and it being that Wagner game. Because even just looking at the schedule, and looking at where they've got to go. I mean, okay, yeah, you get Illinois at home. I don't think that's necessarily a cakewalk. But then you're on the road against Indiana and then on the road against UCF. I mean, that's a whole lot of travel from UConn to get down to Central Florida. Do they get two weeks, though, to prepare for ECU? 
That could Ooh. be a win. Okay, I mean, is that their Super Bowl though? I mean, let's be honest. Well, at that point, if they're what are they at that point? One one in nine. One in ten. No, if they're going into ECU, which is game eleven, they'd be one oh. in nine. Oh, I guess you're right there. Come on, man. I well, they'll be one in. They'll be one in. They'll be one in. They'll be one in ten going against Temple. Oh, that... <laughs> Eight of their twelve games are a win probability of under 15%. That is not good. Nope, not and, at all. And one, one is above 40%. That's why I've, I said it. I don't I don't think they're getting any more than one. Just because, all right, some of the, the weaker games in the conference, I mean, I'm not ready to call Tulane a weaker team this year. And that travel from UConn to... New Orleans, that's a long hike. So really the only game that I see in conference that they could potentially sneak out is that ECU game. I don't see I, I don't understand that Navy number. I keep looking at that number and I just don't get that. I think that's just how bad they were and how much they have to figure out. By the way, Wagner was four and seven last year. Uh, what was Rhode Island's record last year? I don't think they were that good, but let me look. I'm pretty sure they weren't that good either. <laughs> yeah, let's see. Let us see. Rhode Island. Didn't they make the March Madness? Rhode Island, bas- Rhode Island basketball is actually pretty decent. Yeah. They were they were 6 and 5. Okay, so decent. I mean they showed they were capable of playing with an FBS team. Do they go? Does does UConn go zero and twelve? I think that's that is the bigger topic here. I feel like it's we're hard, debating one eleven versus zero and twelve more than anything. I mean, no. See, I'm I'm not ready to go that far because even say they they lose that game to Wagner, all right, they'll they'll get one. I mean, I don't know. I just literally said a couple minutes ago that they might go over, but you just told me Wagner's record last year, so I'm not I'm not too excited about their chances of pulling that off. Right, so yeah. maybe maybe another one and eleven season is in store. But I guess let's kind of wrap this up on this question. I I asked him um, about the hot seat. I mentioned it, but you didn't really answer. What do you think about? Randy Etzel on the way out. What's it going to take? Is well, it going to take the whole season? Uh, see, I I found it interesting. I don't remember exactly what he said, but something about they was it they extended Giaco and then fired him, so they owed him millions of dollars, and then they got Edsel on a like a, a bargain essentially. Is that what he said? Yeah. Uh, so I I thought that was interesting that. He brought ace. I mean, he said that, and then it just makes it seem like he's kind of. I don't know if it was you or him said that he's kind of got a longer leash just because of the, I guess, the uniqueness of the situation. So I don't. 
because if they go if they go one and eleven, but they improve on like their numbers that we talked about, that like that's improvement. They may not improve their record, but they showed that they're at least a little bit better. They just their schedule is just tough. So I I would be surprised honestly, which is kind of funny when you're talking about a guy going one and eleven two years in a row and. You're surprised if he gets fired. But I would be surprised. I just don't think that they're in a situation where they can go find a new coach, especially if they show improvement, even though the record doesn't get better. And I think that's part of the reason why they're holding on to him. I think even both sides, let's be honest, they realize really what's better out there for them. Like, UConn was obviously so desperate that they brought Randy Yetzel back for a second time. How many times do you see that happen? Especially in such a short time. Right, and who are you going to convince, hey, come to UConn and save our program? In a, you know, it's not going to be... You're not going to convince you're, you're, a ton of people. You're not going to... Well, because most of those guys that take, take a job down at the, the G5 level, it's usually you're plucking some coordinator from the P5 level, but who's going to want to... You know what I mean? Like, it's one thing to go from, say, um, the defensive coordinator at Michigan and then go down to um, my alma mater, Temple, and it's another thing to go to UConn. Like, you already know what you're getting yourself into. You know you're going to be, facility-wise, you're in the back half of not just the American, but a lot of teams throughout the country. Uh, Talent pool is worse than just about everywhere in the country, there's really nothing to entice you to go there. So maybe that's, maybe that is what it is. Maybe they're just competent with Randy Etzel for now. And uh, he didn't go too far into the whole financial situation, but I know you and I both know that there's a lot of things that UConn has done uh, with, you kind of said earlier with the previous coaching staff. And then also, on the basketball side, they have some problems, too, that probably influencing keeping Edsel around for at least another year and maybe even one more. Well, and I think his the, the, his first tenure at UConn help, gives him more time, too. They saw what yes. he's capable of doing, and then you – I don't know if he said this, but I'm pretty sure he didn't like how Diaco kind of – ruined if you want to say it the program and pretty much just ruined everything that that edsel did when he left so maybe he's his reputation with the administration is good enough where he can say hey i i need more time like this this thing is a mess if you just give me some time i can fix things and i don't know maybe they're they're willing to do that i don't know I guess this is the year we find out for real. But all right. I don't have really anything else to say about UConn. So before I sign this off, you got anything else here? No, sir. And I didn't write it down. So next in line would be... ECU. That's what I thought. Okay. And I know you're super, super excited to talk about ECU. Two-hour episode coming up. Well, Joe's Joe Broback will be talking for two hours. I'll be listening. <laughs>
But all right. Like we just said, we will continue on with our previews of the American next week will be ECU. But for this episode, we want to thank Aman Kidwai once again from the UConn blog for joining us, answer a couple of our questions. Hopefully he doesn't feel offended that we kind of just bashed UConn this whole show. But, I mean, let's be honest, they didn't really give us a whole lot to really praise them about. So hopefully this year they do so. Make sure you're following Underdog Dynasty on Facebook and Twitter. You can follow me at Joe Serp, Joe at Joe Broback. And until next week, I'll be surprised if Randy Etzel makes it six games. So I'm going to stick by that. Maybe that's a bet you and I have going into the year. <laughs>